0: We're for sharing innovative treatments and preventing disease before it ever develops. Learn how our team is working to better care
1: for you on this edition of UVA Health System Radio. Here's Melanie Cole. While you may hear about voice problems encountered by singers and people in a variety of fields who use their voices extensively, they can also encounter ear, nose, and throat problems, and many other people can as well. My guest today is Dr. James De Niro. He's an otolaryngologist whose specialties include ear, nose, throat problems, in people who use their voices extensively, such as singers, coaches, and teachers at UVA Health System. Welcome to the show, Dr. De Niro. So tell us a little bit about some of the common voice conditions you encounter at the UVA Voice and Swallowing Clinic.
0: Sure. First of all, thank you for having me on the show, Melanie. Um, Some of the voice disorders that that we encounter at the University of Virginia um, most commonly um, are just a persistent hoarse voice. That can be broken down into uh, several categories, uh, the most common of which is just a uh, sort of misalignment in the way we produce our voice, um, and, and then other things that uh, um, can be associated uh, such as um, benign lesions that, that grow on the vocal cords.
1: So what are some symptoms? What are some things that people would notice if you're somebody in a profession, you're a singer, or or you talk for a living, what might you notice besides hoarseness that would send you to see you? Sure.
0: Um, Obviously, the number uh, one thing is the change in the voice, uh, which most people characterize as a hoarse voice, Um, but also uh, neck pain or soreness that develops in the front of the throat. Typically, uh, throughout the day... Uh, as uh, there is more voice use, um, and that's associated with uh, vocal fatigue, as I call it. Um, patients will notice that their voice starts out strong in the middle of the day, starts to fade, and by the end of the day, they feel like they're really um, uh, straining or, um, or, and just have an exhaustion from voice use. Um, and then there's also uh, pain with swallowing or pain with the voice use uh, that uh, can be associated symptoms.
1: And what do you do to test somebody for issues that you think that they might be experiencing?
0: Sure. In our clinic, we run a multidisciplinary clinic, and that is the speech-language pathologist as well as myself, the physician and surgeon, is present for the initial interview with the patient. We ask a lot of detailed questions about how they use their voice and what their behaviors are in regards to taking care of their voice. Uh, if they have any consideration of, um, of how to care for their voice at that point. Um, and then we also uh, will uh, look at their vocal cords, not only at the structure and looking at them with a very detailed uh, high-definition camera, but also the way it functions. So we'll, we'll videotape uh, the voice uh, being produced uh, in a various um, configurations, and that videotape can be then slowed down uh, to get a very detailed analysis of how the vocal cords are vibrating to produce the voice, which can often uh, identify the problem.
1: Wow. So then, I'm an exercise physiologist, Dr. De Niro, so I know that exercise helps various ailments and things. Are there exercises you recommend people do to protect their voice and possibly prevent some of these problems?
0: Absolutely. Uh, certainly for uh people that are professional voice users, and that's not limited to uh, just singers, but anybody that uh, uses their voice for their profession. Um, And there there are uh, a number of different exercises that uh, when trained by uh, a voice-specialized speech-language pathologist, patients can can learn to care for their voice and also rehab their voice through these exercises. Um, There usually have to be... uh, performed or, or taught through a speech-language pathologist that has some some knowledge of uh, specifically how to do the exercises.
1: So people can do these exercises and make their voices stronger. Do you advise people that are in these kinds of professions to either use their voice more limited or softer because people yell at their kids and they yell mm-hmm. out on the streets, and is that really damaging our voices?
0: Well, I, I think uh, everything in moderation uh, is the key there? Um, there are some people that have a tendency to use their voice uh, more forcefully, loudly, and are, are loud, frequent talkers, and, and they, they, uh, if they're professional voice users, might need to have some consideration of the amount uh, and and volume of voice use that they're using throughout the day to to limit it in, in certain situations. Uh, and then there's others that are generally um, uh, voice conservationists. They don't really speak out loudly. They speak softly, and uh, they're more uh, introverted personalities and uh, tend uh, not to have issues with voice conservation.
1: So now, what about some of the benign lesions and things that you might find? What do you do about them? Are those Is their surgical intervention necessary? Do they go away on their own?
0: Uh, well, it depends on the, the type of uh, growth or, or lesion that's on the vocal cord, um, a good portion of them will go uh, go away on their own if they have a proper intervention, um, such as these vocal exercises and what we call vocal hygiene uh, and uh, the behavioral uh, modifications to prevent or limit the trauma on their vocal cords. Um, a good portion of them will will uh, avoid surgery uh, if those uh, those measures are instituted. Um, and then there's uh, there's a a portion, a uh, much smaller portion um, that does uh, require surgery eventually, um, and that's the type of uh, microsurgery that I do uh, in the operating room.
1: And so if you're doing microsurgery on somebody, what is, what is that like and what is the recovery like? Is somebody then prohibited from speaking for quite a while? Tell us just a little bit about that.
0: Sure. Um, the surgery is generally an outpatient surgery. They go home the same day, um, typically uh, around an hour, maybe an hour and a half of surgery. Um, but the, the, the key to the recovery is actually what happens after that. Um, and so we, we typically will uh, have patients have anywhere between three to seven days of uh, absolute voice rest. That means no noise coming from their vocal cords and, and coughing, throat clearing, uh, humming, uh, or voice use. And um, during that time period, we are trying to get the area of surgery, the incision, to heal up well without the vibration irritating that uh, area from producing the voice. Then after that time period, we'll generally have them begin a rehab treatment, similar to the way if you had an orthopedic surgery for a shoulder or a knee, you would begin physical therapy after that. Um, We do the same uh, for the voice. We do a a physical therapy for the voice that begins with the speech-language pathology, uh, pathologists uh, retraining uh, the patient to use their voice in in a much more efficient and less traumatic fashion.
1: Dr. De Niro, are there other conditions, co-conditions that contribute to vocal problems, reflux, sinus conditions? Do any of these contribute?
0: Absolutely. Um, often when we initially perform a, an assessment, those are things that I inquire about in detail, uh, and that is symptoms of acid reflux or, or um, even risk factors for acid reflux. As we know, there's a group of patients that may not have any symptoms of acid reflux, but might have the finding. Uh, and some of that could be throat clearing or um, frequent belching, but not the classic heartburn uh, symptoms that you would associate with acid reflux. And, and then allergies and, and sinus uh, uh, complaints often will uh, produce m- thick mucus that drains down onto the vocal cords, uh, and that could, uh, again, uh, create an issue of chronic inflammation and uh, hoarse voice as well.
1: In just the last few minutes, first tell the listeners your best advice for people to protect their voice with with voice hygiene, as you called it, and what they can do.
0: Sure. Uh, The the simplest thing is to make sure that we're well hydrated. Um, The classic recommendation is eight to 10 glasses of water per day. And very few of us actually reach that if we keep track uh, throughout our day how much water we're drinking. Um, The other Uh, thing is is the amount of caffeine that we consume. And uh, our vocal cords are just a a few inches away from our mouths, and we we all know if we're drinking a lot of caffeine, uh, we'll tend to get uh, a dried-out mouth. Uh, And so when we're using our voice with these um, dried-out vocal cords, we're uh, causing a little bit more trauma. And so hydration can just eliminate a lot of the... uh, um, the trauma that we're we're seeing there, just by um, sort of lubricating the system. Other things that in hygiene that are involved are uh, managing our mucus, as, as we discussed the um, acid reflux and uh, allergy uh, symptoms, um, but but then also uh, limiting the the trauma of our voice uh, use in in general. Not calling across the house to our children uh, <laughs> that may be in a different room and actually walking over there to to speak with them. Um, and simple behavioral interventions.
1: Always great advice. And why should people with voice conditions come to to laryngology for their care?
0: We have a multidisciplinary approach uh, with the speech-language pathologist and the physician uh, creating a consensus that we can understand the problem from both a behavioral as well as a, a medical and surgical perspective. Um, and also we, uh, we just understand the, the plight of a patient that has a voice problem. This is what we specialize in, and we can help them.
1: Thank you so much for being with us today, Dr. De Niro. You're listening to UVA Health Systems Radio. And for more information, you can go to uvahealth.com. That's uvahealth.com. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.